1 Samuel chapter 17. We read of the account of a familiar story, perhaps one of the most familiar stories in all of Scripture, even by many outside of the church. This story is known, but oftentimes, not only within the church, but with outside of the church, we miss some of the message that God would have us as his people to hear and to understand. And so I would encourage you not let, to not let familiarity with the story and with the passage tonight be a means of turning off your mind and your heart to the word of the Lord. Let's read then God's breathed out word to us. I'm going to read the first 16 verses, but encourage you to leave the scriptures open as we continue to make our way through 1 Samuel 17. Hear the word of the Lord. Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle, and they were gathered at Socho, which belongs to Judah in a camp between Socho and Azekah in Ephedim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up in line of battle against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on one side and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with a valley between them. There came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of his coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. He had bronze armor on his legs and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spearhead weighed 600 shekels of iron. And his shield-bearer went before him. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now David was the son of an Ephrathite of Bethlehem in Judah named Jesse, who had eight sons. In the days of Saul, the man was already old and advanced in years. The three oldest sons of Jesse had followed Saul to battle, and the names of his three sons who went to the battle were Eliab the firstborn, and next to him Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest. The three eldest followed Saul. But David went back and forth from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For 40 days, the Philistine came forward, took his stand, Morning and evening. Thus far the reading of God's word. Let's bow in prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, thank you for this, Lord, today, together, together in our your house of worship. Thank you for this portion of your word that was read. Be with our pastor as he preaches on this word. 
may we pay attention and apply it to our lives. This we ask in your name alone. Amen. Amen. Forty days and forty nights. Do you remember that part of the story? Is that a detail that perhaps you've you've omitted or perhaps you, you never were taught that part of the story? That element of it? Or is it just something that perhaps, well, yeah, you, you, now that you think about it, I think I was told that, but you didn't pay much attention to it. But in making our way through Scripture, as we are chronologically under this theme of 40 days and 40 nights, it certainly stands out. When we look at the great events that are associated with 40 days and 40 nights, when we see that which God does through it, how he ministers grace, how he brings judgment, how he brings encouragement and worship and the word and instruction, glory and reflection of that glory. Certainly we would do wise then to pay attention to this story, thinking of the fact that this too was an event that took place for 40 days. For he did it morning and evening. 40 days and 40 nights comes the challenge of Goliath. That's our first point, the challenge that Goliath makes. Secondly, the answer to that challenge that God provides. And thirdly, the message that this brings for us today, the challenge. Well, Let's look at, first of all, who this is. Yes, it's Goliath, but before that, we we read that he is a Philistine. The whole setup of the passage is about the armies of Israel being drawn up against the armies of the Philistines. And that's what Goliath is. He is one of these Philistines, one of Israel's ongoing enemies. There is probably no nation, at least in this early section of the Old Testament, that is more of a a thorn in the flesh, that is more of, of an enemy that seems to be one that Israel never is able to conquer, more so than these Philistines. Seems like they're always dealing with them. That they're always there on the outskirts of their country. They're always there ready to invade at any given moment. And that Israel always seems to respond so often in the same way with fear and dismay. Part of that is because of the Philistine culture. It was a culture of power. It was a culture of strength. They had iron. The Israelites only had wood. We even read sometimes that in these various fights that the Israelites are coming to the war with wood weapons while the Philistines are fully armed with weapons of iron. A sign of power, a sign of strength. Not only that, but they're rugged and they're cruel and they're a trained army. These are not a bunch of Farmers and shepherds and vineyard dressers who get together and decide, well, I think we better go up against the Philistines and withstand them. This is a trained military force. It's pretty ominous. It is threatening. There is no doubt about it. The reality is Philistines are stronger than the Israelites in every single way if we think about them only on the human plane and the human level. 
Goliath is one of these Philistines. Secondly, Goliath is a giant. Verses 4 through 7 describe him as, as a man who, if we put the numbers together, are about, is about 9 foot 6. But he's not tall and lanky. He's strong. That's why we get the description of all the armor with how much it all weighs. It's, it's a reminder to us that this man is a hulk of a man. He is powerful. He, he, he's not just tall and skinny and can dunk a basketball easily. But you're not going to move him around the court either. He is a force and he is a force to be reckoned with. So not only do you have that he comes from the Philistines, he himself is a powerful man. And we are noted that he is a champion. Scripture tells us that. He is a champion. Meaning he has done this before. This is not the first go-round for Goliath. This is not the first time that they've come up with the idea, hey, Goliath, you go up there and stand up there and challenge and see if you get any takers. They've done this. He is a champion. Meaning that there have been actual engagements. He has won. He has been victorious. He has, we could say, a TKO record, as they do with heavyweight champions, of being undefeated. We could say he wears the belt. Right? That, that he's the one who is the champion. He's been successful in this sort of thing before. This is the man now who is coming forth. Verses 8 and 9, we read of him coming and challenging these Israelites. I, I read it a little bit. Well, you might not see it as louder than normal, but I attempted to read it louder than normal because he's challenging them. You don't challenge somebody by talking in nice, soft, quiet tones. That's not going to be the challenge that's going to be heard and echoed over the valley. He wants this challenge to be known to each and every individual. See, for 40 days and 40 nights, what happens is this. Israel assembles. They line up. They're on their side of the mountain. There they are. They're not in their tents. They're lined up on the hill. They're, they're ready to do battle. They're ready to charge. They're ready at the command of Saul to go at this. And every day, morning and evening, Goliath comes out from the ranks of the Philistines on the other side and issues the challenge. Somebody come and fight me. Somebody come and take me on. Forty days. Forty nights. Somebody after the service this morning mentioned you know, 40 days is a long time. 40 days is an extended period of time. You know, it's not three days. It's not a week. 40 days is more than a month. Every day this happened. Every day this took place. Every day this challenge came. Oh, he includes in the challenge this this, you know, if you defeat me, we'll become your servants. He's lying through his teeth. That's not going to happen. The aftermath of this battle will show us that. 
the challenge of Goliath is a lie. He doesn't plan to hold to this bargain. This isn't what's going to take place. Oh, they'll hold the Israelites to it, but they themselves will not be held to it. But perhaps even more so, okay, we get this in verse 10. And the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. I defy them. That's more than just the challenge of verses 8 and 9. That's more than just the challenge to the army. Because you see, David is going to pick up on this. He's going to pick up on what, what Goliath is really doing in this defying the people of God is defying God himself. What Goliath is really saying is, your God is nothing. Your God's nothing. Your God can't help you. Your God can't defeat me. I defy you. Come up. Come up. Do you think your God is stronger than me? Do you think your God will defeat me? I defy you. See, it's not, it's not just an insult to the army. It's not just an insult to Saul. He is insulting the living God. David understands this. David picks up on what is happening. Now, that doesn't mean the rest don't get it. I think they fully get it too. I think the rest of the Israelites know full well what Goliath is doing. This is the challenge. And look what happens. Back there in verse 11. When Saul, the tallest of all Israelites, and all Israel heard the words of the Philistines, they were dismayed, and greatly afraid. I know some of you probably have a video running in your head over this story. Now that, that video does a pretty good job of depicting the running and the scattering and the fear. But it doesn't tell half the story, does it? They are dismayed. They are discouraged. They are worn out by this constant 40-day challenge of this giant. Saul is probably dismayed that nobody steps forward. The soldiers are probably dismayed that Saul doesn't step forward. But then as they think about it, they're like, why would anybody step forward to challenge this giant Philistine? He stands there day after day, no lightning bolts. God's not zapping him. There's no fire hurled down from heaven to take away our problem easily and simply. There's nothing but a deafening silence from the Israelite side of this mountain. And there is nothing but the 
defying, jeering voice of the giant of a man coming from the Philistine side for 40 days, 40 nights, twice a day, morning and evening. And yet God has an answer, does he not? In this section of verses 12 through 15, we catch a glimpse of who the answer is. And as the passage continues, starting in verse 17 and on, and because we're so familiar with the story, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it, but I trust you, you remember these parts of the story as well. God does have an answer. God's answer involves the youngest son of Jesse. We, that's, that's told us. It, it's mentioned to us several times. It's not the three older boys who are there with the army. It's the youngest. It's David. The, the same kind of scenario that played through in just the preceding chapter of 1 Samuel 16. When Samuel went there on the command of the Lord to anoint one of the sons of Jesse. He too thought it should be one of these older sons. And yet, it ends up being the one who isn't even there. The youngest son who's off taking care of the sheep. The shepherd boy. This is God's answer. That's, that's how the story goes, isn't it? God's answer is this youngest son of Jesse, who, who isn't even in the army, who's not even in the military who appears to us as, as so young, he would not even be eligible to serve in the army. And seeing the three oldest brothers are, and he has three more brothers yet in between him and those in the army, it would mean that those three brothers of age also have to be below 20, because 20 is the age of military in Israel. So those boys have to fit in somewhere between the son that's in the army, the youngest son of those three, those other three sons, and then David. He truly is a shepherd boy. We're not dealing with a 17, 18-year-old here. We're dealing with a boy. God's answer. To the giant problem. Nor is he trained military. He's a shepherd. This is his occupation. This is what he does. He takes care of sheep. It's told us in such a way that even though we know down through history, being a shepherd, owning sheep is an honorable place within Israelite society. The fact that he's noted as a shepherd boy would influence us to think that they're thinking this is not much of an occupation. This is on the downward side of the occupation. But one thing for sure. This little young shepherd boy is a believer. Let's go to verses, pick it up at verse 31. And read this section here that illustrates to us the fact that David truly is a believer. Picking it up at verse 31. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul. And he sent for him, and David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. 
Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go fight against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth. And he's been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took the lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of the, its, his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Quite a faith this little shepherd boy has. He trusts in the Lord. He's been anointed by the Lord to be the king. He's been anointed by the Lord to be the representative. It seems as if David is the only one in all of Israel who understands the importance of being anointed as king. Saul certainly doesn't comprehend what that means. But David does. He's been anointed by the Lord. His trust is in the Lord. And he trusts in the Lord's strength. Listen to to David as he speaks now to the Philistine in verse 47. And all that this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hand. He's trusting, not in himself, not in his own abilities, not in his own ingenuity. He's not even trusting in his own faith. His trust, his belief, is fully in the Lord. It is the Lord who is going to fight. It is the Lord who is going to deliver. And then I want you to notice one thing about this story that I think we often miss. Oh, you'll know the answer to the question. What is David's weapon? His weapon is this slingshot, right? But it's interesting, isn't it? Because we go through this whole thing of verses 38 and beyond of of Saul clothing David in the armor and the helmet and stuff. And David's like, nope, not this stuff. Just Just give me what I am trained with. Give me what I am familiar with. Now I want you to note something about that weapon. What Saul gave him to fight with, what would that have done? David would have needed to get close to Goliath. He would have gotten near to Goliath. He would have been within a sword striking, a spear striking distance. Whose advantage is that? That's Goliath's advantage. Notice David doesn't say, yeah, let me go at him and I'll jump on him and I'll beat him and I'll pull his beard out and and I'll just take him down by the legs and and so on. I'm going to just jump right in there. Notice David. I'm going to stay my distance from this giant. I respect the power of this giant. 
I know what this giant of a man is capable of. But this giant of a man is not capable of defeating me when I am yards away from him. He can do nothing against me, but my weapon can strike him from a distance. So often, so often we think we need to go toe-to-toe, fist-to-fist with the enemies of the Lord. Learn the lesson of David. Take the weapon that is within your hands. Take the weapon that is within your hands. And fight. And fight. David takes down this giant without ever touching. He lets the weapon that he has been trained with be the weapon by which he brings down this enemy of the Lord. Well, we're familiar with the story. We know how it turns out, right? The giant falls over. The giant's dead. David has killed him. What's that message for you and I today? Well, let me divide that into two parts. What's Goliath's continued challenge? Because you see, if you don't recognize it yet, let me tell you, the world is filled with Goliaths today. There are Goliaths everywhere in our world and in our society. They're not limited to Philistia. They're everywhere. Some of you have your own personal Goliath that you're dealing with. That voice that just keeps ringing over and over and over and over. And you don't know what to do about it. You're dismayed and you're afraid. Because of that voice, because of that Goliath, that enemy of the Lord who is defying the Lord by insulting you. Some of you are like, I don't know what he's talking about. I think I'd say maybe that's good. Maybe that's good. But others of you understand. You understand the giant. And it hasn't just been 40 days. Maybe it's been a year, two, three, five, ten, fifteen, twenty, maybe even longer. That giant just stands there on the other side of the valley, defying. Come on, I dare you take me on. We see his strength. We see his power. We run back to our tent and hide. Just like the armies of Israel. 
But if you don't recognize that you yourself, perhaps individually, have a Goliath to deal with, you certainly have one corporately. Certainly the church of Jesus Christ today has its giants out there. Those who seek by defying the church of Jesus Christ and the saints of God from its ability to be effective in this world. It wants us to submit. It wants us to give in. It wants us to come forward to challenge them as a giant. Maybe we'd call them cultural things. Maybe we would call them the spirit of the age. Maybe we would call them and label them the media of the day. Maybe we would say it's the power mongers of the day. We could probably come up with many different titles. But the reality is they stand like Goliath on the opposite side of the mountain defying the church of Jesus Christ. I dare you do something about me. And just like so often we as individuals with our own personal Goliaths, we as the church are like the armies of Israel sitting in silence. There's no way we're going to fight that Goliath. Maybe we know we should, But we lack the courage, we lack the conviction, perhaps we just lack the simple belief. But I guess one of the things that as I look at this passage, there is the challenge that then lies before us both individually and corporately as the church, that it's time to meet the challenge. Forty days and forty nights is enough. No longer, no longer should the enemies of the Lord be allowed to defy the living God. For those of us who trust in the Lord, who put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who is the King of kings and the one who is the Lord of lords. We had one of our young people this morning, this evening stand up and say, I believe. I believe. I believe God's word. I believe, yes, I am a sinner, but I am saved through the blood of Jesus Christ. I am rescued from the guilt. I am rescued from the damnation, I am rescued from the condemnation and the judgment that my sin would have brought upon me because of the precious blood of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I will seek for the rest of my life to live for his glory and for his honor. But that isn't just Abigail's profession, is it? I would hope not that as we gathered here tonight that it's only Abigail's profession. I would hope that that is the profession of each one of us as a believer. That each one of us could have said when when I asked the question, and Abigail, how do you respond? And I could have said in congregation, how do you respond? And we would have said, I do. I believe. And if we are the believers 
these great and glorious truths that God has before us, why are we so silent? It is time to take out the slingshot. It is time to make use of that which we have been trained in. It's this. It is time that the Goliaths of your life are defeated with the slingshot that you have been trained with and are familiar with. That's why we gave Abigail the Bible tonight. This is what we are armed with. This is what we go forth with. This is what David is doing there in the valley. He is taking the promises and the truths of God's word and standing up to the giant Goliath. And what I am urging you to do tonight as an individual believer in Jesus Christ, as you deal with your own personal Goliaths in your own life, take the word of God and take down the giant. Use the promises that God has given to you as a believer in Jesus Christ. That Goliath is defying the Lord. He's mocking the Lord. And you as a child of the Lord have the perfect right to claim the promises that your Father has given to you. And that we, as the church of Jesus Christ, maybe this decision whether it comes about or not. There's a whole lot about this. You just, you just kind of wonder, are we getting played again? But if it were to come out as reported, and it makes the line so abundantly clear, are you ready to use the Word of God? Not your anger, not your passion, not your political motivations, That's not David. David's not politically motivated here. He's not personally looking for some honors. He's concerned about the honor of the Lord. He's willing to fight with that which he has been given. This is the sword of the Spirit. And you've been trained in it. You've been brought up in it. You know it. It's in your heart. It's in your mind. Put it to use against the enemies of the Lord. Because you see, isn't it interesting that David picks up a stone And he puts that stone in the sling. And as we learned as a kid, around and around and around. By that stone, he brings down the enemy of Israel. My friends, God has given to you a stone as well. It was moved from a tomb. And that stone that has been moved from the tomb represents 
that resurrection, that victory of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Psalm 2, dare you defy the king's son? Who do you think you are? Goliath. Because it is in Christ. See, that's what David, as this little shepherd boy, already understands. In, his, in, in, in a limited capacity, he already understands. And God's reminding us of it is that victory was in the stone. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory in Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. David went out not in his own name, not in his own power, not in his own strength. He went out in the name of the Lord. You, as a child of God, have the perfect legitimate right to say to your Goliath, in the name of the Lord, you're finished. We as the people of God, as the church of Jesus Christ, as his bride, have the legitimate right to say to the Goliaths of this world, you're done. For the Lord Almighty liveth. Amen? Father, thank you for your word. Oh, how small sometimes we see what it means to be, to be a child of God, to be a child of the King, to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Tonight, Lord, Abigail's profession of faith has given us the opportunity again to, to be challenged by what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We pray, Father, that you would bless her in her life now as a professing believer in Christ, to, to be a David. That as you've challenged all of us in this day, in this evening, that we too, Father, as the church of Jesus Christ, might stand up to the Goliaths of this day and of this age and say, enough. In the name of the Lord God Almighty. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are defeated. Oh, may we live, may we live in faith in Christ and in Christ alone. And God's people say, Amen.